I know that many of you have searched your mind and life introspectively determining how are you going to express your faith your spirituality and your beliefs amidst the crisis of culture that is a catastrophic contamination of all types of apoplectic beliefs politically that seem to estrange anyone from any ideology that is individualistic or fares from the tribe we're in a current state in america of extreme left tribalism intolerance of anything that disagrees with those who disagree with god or disagree with tradition interesting isn't it now in the bible for those of us who believe in that book it says in the last days many would call good evil and evil good and that evil would multiply now we've seen it in cyclical prophecies fulfilled when i refer to cyclical i mean in cycles that are like the equinox the spring equinox the winter solstice it just rotates and it goes around ever so often and it's the same thing that's repeated every 50 every 100 every 1000 every millennia so you're seeing another cycle and in this cycle cuz you and i didn't live in the previous one it all seems so new so strange so odd so bizarre and so apocalyptic but it's more epileptic than apocalyptic people are just losing their minds with insanity and all kinds of egregious accusations because they have no sensibilities to common sense and with that said how best to tell you or to instruct you how to walk that line well you can never walk a line without offending someone on the other end of it so the first thing is you need to walk the line for yourself and not live in the headspace of what other people perceive or think there is some complicity and responsibility to be a steward to a reasonable degree of the perceptions of others i mean you're not going to walk down the street naked and then wonder why everybody's looking at you uh you're not going to go to church on sunday morning with a clown face and balloons hanging on your tail and wonder why people think you're strange so there is a reasonable social framework that we know is just kind of the acceptable group mentality in order for all of us to move cohesively without chaos theory running amok and wrecking everything that we're trying to do that being said you're not going to please everybody but you will attract the right everybody to your body when you are living in your space as positively as ideally as logically 
as practically, as systematically predictable as you can when you're living your highest, your best, and your truest self. So how did I come to faith? I think that might help you understand the message I'm trying to convey to you. I love the Lord, my Heavenly Father, creator of heaven and earth and all the expanse of every atom and molecule and dark matter and black hole that exists in an ever-expanding universe and cosmos. Yes, I do love the God of creation who created it all and thought it fit enough to include me in this magnificence, this menagerie of magic. That being said, it wasn't through a tower with a steeple and a cross on it, a mosque or a synagogue. It wasn't crystals that I was rubbing together and chanting on top of Mount Tibetu with my thumbs touched and my feet folded. No, no yoga stance. It was the simple place of the base of a tree with the sun beaming down upon my face, the leaves and the wind and the smell of grass and dirt underneath my feet. In an afternoon in the state of Maryland as a young man, remembering that all of this was created and made and the beauty of it all, even as the birds would sing the beauty of it all. It was seeing that simple beauty, this wonderful evolution that God has put in place. How could I not serve God? And it wasn't a building that I needed, a priest, a pastor, a rabbi, or iman. It wasn't a guru or a positive thinking motivational speaker, no. All the motivation and inspiration was in the creation around me. And not just the trees and the leaves and the birds and the bees, but the friends and the people and the family, the interactions, sometimes a stranger, obviously not all good, but there's something about good. The power of good is exponentially immeasurably more than 10,000 times the power of bad. There's just no comparison. What one good encounter can do can erase a hundred bad encounters in that day. Just one small act of the grace of God that is deposited in the soul of every man, woman, and child on this planet, even an animal. And I have to tell you that when I did eventually enter a religious building, a church, I was on fire for God. There was a fire in my soul, a fervor, a passion, a fanaticism that was not born, birthed, primed, or preened because someone gave me all of the doctrines of their theism and dogma. It was because I was able to experience God in his purest form. When God made Adam and Eve, he put them in a garden, never put them in a building or synagogue, a temple of any sort, in a garden. 
And I've often believed that if you can't worship God of creation on the ocean, on a mountain, in a valley, in your yard, sitting outside, looking at the first thing he ever did, which was this entire universe in front of you, then how can you worship him? Does it really take stained glass windows and a choir on a stand or a man speaking from a lectern, the loudness of drums and instruments? All of those things are beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But do you need it? I purport you should not need it. Let it be an enhancement. Let it be a little more extra decoration or frosting that's on the cake. But the substance of what makes that cake the cake, it's not that. And I've enjoyed many services, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Jewish temples. I've enjoyed many experiences and seen many people worship. And I don't believe that all paths lead to God. I believe God gave us that through Yeshua, Jesus Christ, his son. But I do believe all paths can lead to Jesus. And it's Jesus who reconciles man to God the Father. And that relationship that I have had with him has never been defined by what a priest does to an altar boy or what a preacher on television does with your money. It's always been defined by something much more than that because it cannot be reduced to something less than God. A relationship with him cannot be simply reduced to a denomination or a faction or a section of belief systems on this planet. It can't be reduced to a a religious ethos or a particular person that speaks, it has to be something greater than because he is greater than. And the reflection of him is more than the compiling of all of the religious construct of our different nations, cultures, ethnicities. That is how I've come to know the Lord by seeing him and his magnificence. And when I look at the book that we call the Torah, the Bible, I don't worship the book. The book points to him. He's not the God of the book. He's the author of it. The most important is the author of that book. Those words are not just two-dimensional. They're not just printed. They're they're rhema. They can never be imprisoned or erased or addendumized or mended. They are eternal, perpetual in the nature of God, for he is the word himself. More than print, more than ink, more than paper, more than book, more than gold or silver or dirt. It's immeasurable, it's immutable, it's irrefutable, it's invisible. But it's more real than what you see with your eye or hear with your ears or touch with your hands because we are spirit. Encased and housed in these temples, these vehicles of flesh, muscle, stone, blood, H2O and carbon, hair and skin. And with that, I can't help but remember what the Lord said The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. All that dwell therein. I want you all to remember who you are. You are sons and daughters of your heavenly father, created in his great image. 
Though you may not honor him, acknowledge him, ignore him, disrespect him, refute him and deny him. He is and he always will be. He is your Lord. He is your master. He is your God and he loves you. Even in your rebellion, in your rejection and dejection, in all your accusations and your doubts, your soul, your soul intrinsically and intuitively knows it comes from him. And some of you will come to this knowledge at different times on your journey. Some of you already are in this knowledge, but you know that you haven't been faithful, devout, dedicated, in case some of you might mistake the message. You're even ashamed and embarrassed of your faith and of God because you would prefer to have the ire, the respect, the admiration and adoration of the people who are less than God, who did not make you, love you, save you, or can redeem you. You'd rather have their friendship than the friendship of your maker. Please remember that as you draw close to him, as you love him, it cannot be measured by how many church services you go to, how many Bibles you possess, how many crosses you wear, how many amens you give a preacher, or how many scriptures you recite. It is measured in the purest form of your soul, of your heart, and of your mind that you give to him. And listen, it cannot be denied by your failures, your flaws, or your faults, your sins, and your stumblings, but by the humility of your heart when you're submitted to God the Father, none other, not the wife, not the husband, not the lover, not the boyfriend, not the girlfriend, not the dog, or any other. It's got to be submitted to him completely, unabashedly. And you will see in your humility the greatest power of your faith lies when you keep it simple, keep it pure, keep it powerful, but keep it real. In every aspect of your life, every day, he loves you. Now love him back. Have a good day.